Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hello, everyone, and welcome to this. It's the Rugby Dungeon. Thank you for listening. Thank you for subscribing. And, of course, thank you for leaving me re- uh, reviews on iTunes. It is much appreciated. Uh, if if possible, go follow me on Twitter. I'm at jbeardmore. You've got the Egg Chasers Rugby, Rugby Podcast at... Uh, rugby podcast and of course there there is this podcast at the rugby dungeon but if you want to follow someone else you can follow my guest today that is josh beaumont how are you josh not too bad thank you yeah just uh well i'd much rather been playing in a european semi this weekend <sighs> but it's always nice to have, a, have the odd weekend off towards the end of the year so no it's uh, been great in this weather did you watch did you watch the european games this weekend i did i um i pretty much watched until i need a result of, kind of <laughs> both games um, so Watched first fifty minutes essentially of both yeah. main uh, of the Champions Cup and then um, yeah bits and bobs of, of the uh, Challenge Cups. But I've not seen any challenge any Challenge Cup yet except for the second half of Gloss- of the Gloucester game and they look very impressive. Yeah, they did. They're, yeah, they've um, they're a bit of an odd team, Gloucester. We've because uh, we played them at the start of the year and hammered them absolutely hammered them. But we're, they're a good team and I was just almost. You get these freak results sometimes where everything goes to you on the night, and that was it. But no, they were really good there. You know, Ackerman's coming in; he's brought that kind of speed to Faf and and Ruan when they were here. They yeah, it's weird. You know, it, it, the kind of free flowing rugby that he wants them to play. So you can see there's been a big shift this season with them. And it's weird when you talk to anyone who's worked with Ackerman before; they talk to him like he's you know half half man, half god. I mean, you know, the, the perception of him in. Uh, perception of him from his rugby pl- from his rugby players is you know, seriously high. Yeah, he's I know speaking to Faf, you know, calls him Coach Ackerman. Is it? It's like <laughs> Coach Ackerman, it's a bit of a strange way. But yeah, yeah, um, yeah, he speaks really high, and he's, yeah, he's almost like a father figure to to his players. You know, they mm. they all speak so highly of him, and so you know, he must be a good guy. Um, what was your overriding takeaway from the games this weekend? I just thought, like. I had a feeling Leinster going to win, and they just look so impressive. They're just, they're yeah. just on the front foot all the time. They just they don't do anything too flash. They they almost kind of kick deep to Scarlets, let let them kick out, you know, forty meters out, and then just play this power game where they're always on the front foot. The dynamic ball carrying is so strong at the breakdown. Yeah, and they just Scarlets are no way into the game, and the defense was the line speed was great, and yeah, you know, it just. They were so impressive. I can't see anyone beating them really. Even though Racing had those X Factor players as we saw today, they they looked seriously sharp in our first half today as well. So, you know, it should be a, a pretty good final. Yeah. Do you know what my over, my overwhelming takeaway across both the games actually is? Power wins. Like power is the new whatever it is. But that that is first and foremost. You look at Leinster. I mean, it's like, like it's like you say. Like the ball carriers are really, really dynamic. I'm not taking anything away away from their backs. I I, I don't mean to. But their backs are just common sense, make the right decisions backs. You know, you've got um, guys like Nathewa. Uh, uh, I don't think he's made a mistake for about three years now. I know, he's, he's probably about 36 as well. He's, yeah. It's incredible. He's and he's on the wing. I know, and they've got, they had like likes of James Lowe missing as well the weekend. Just the strength and depth. And you know, say like Henshaw in the centre, he's kind of just, you know, you kind of look at the way he's just a simple player he's so effective yeah. just gets over that game line hits good lines the same ring rose really he's a bit more wiry a bit more skillful but yeah just, just really good players very rarely make uh, too many errors yeah so I, I was kind of thinking about them today which is they are so dominant with what they do and yet they've got such big names in the backs they never seem to use them what scares me about them is this might kind of be the tip of the iceberg like if they could conceivably lose out in the power game 
and they've still got all they've still got all that experience from Johnny Sexton back to um, back to Dave Carney to fall back on. Exactly, yeah, and they got yeah Carberry coming off the bench as well. Mm. I think the thing is with especially in Ireland because they have got a small playing pool. Yeah, but it doesn't feel like it. Though, it doesn't. Does it? it doesn't. And but a lot of players get exposure to international rugby. You know, mm. look at I know it was easier in the summer when the Lions tours on, so they could but a lot of these players. But you know, they they do you know expose them to international rugby, and that seems to help. And they tend to always only play the big games. Yeah. Which I think helps as well, and playing in front of sold out stadiums in the, at the Aviva, and obviously Toman Park's a, a great atmosphere down there as well. So it's, um, you know, they used to play these high pressure games, and they seem to always come good. Yeah, that, 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 is, that, that is interesting. Do, do you think Ireland, Ireland expose more people to international rugby than, say, England do? I, maybe the odd game in the autumn and the summer. They, I think they have. It's almost like they have e- not easy summer tours, but they always have one or two games in the summer. Like I think they're playing USA. No disrespect to USA, yeah. but you know you can. There's less risk with playing, kind of blooding these guys in in those kind of games. There's less pressure, less kind of less media attention around these games. So where England have three tests down in South Africa, and it can be a bit of a you know to to throw kind of an ex- inexperienced team in there. It's, it's a tough ass. So. Yeah, it's an absolute war down down in yeah. South Africa. Maybe not so much the United States. Yeah, exactly. So I, th- I think that's maybe you know there. That's where they get more of a chance. I'm sure England would do. I mean, we saw that in the autumn internationals. They probably played more players than they usually do mm. um, this year round. So um, yeah, I think I think it's probably easier for them to do that. How old are you, Josh? I'm 26. 26. Did you grow up watching the Churchill Cup? I did, yeah, and I, swear, I know a few guys have played in that as well, and it seems like ages ago now. But it does, doesn't it? Yeah, it seemed like a good tour to go on, definitely. That, that's exactly what I was thinking. If there was an international rugby tour that I'd like to go on most, it would be the Churchill Cup. Yeah, I've, I've heard some pretty good stories of you know going to Denver or wherever it was. <laughs> yeah, yeah, Denver. Van- Vancouver and just, yeah, the playing against Canada, you know, USA. Not the toughest of fixtures, mm. but and uh, pretty good social scene as well around there. So I think... Uh, you know, obviously, you want to be going on the main England tour. But it's not about a, yeah, not, it's not like second choice to be on. No, not no, not at all. I I think you're probably on on something there with um, with Ireland and how they structure their season because one of my bugbears at the moment is um, watching. Well, well, it's capture teams, and we'll get on that, get on that later. But also the standard of like eight of eighteen rugby. So if you're playing England Day, like you've got no time to prepare. It doesn't give you a real feeling of what it is to play proper international rugby. It just doesn't really. It doesn't really uh, suit the need the way that, say, some full internationals but easier games would. Yeah, I mean, I, I can't remember last time. Yeah, I played in the England game against the Barbarians a couple of times, and mm. you know, it's always a great fixture to be a part. And it's always a tricky one because you got the Prem final same weekend. But yeah, I'd be. I was involved in the. I was. I didn't play, but against the Irish Wolfhounds a couple of years ago. And yeah, is that the one with Sam Burgess in it? Yes, he did play actually. Yeah, he, I, he, I got. You got to try assist. Yeah, I got like a, I got like a late call up. Yeah, I think um, I can't remember who was. Matt Garvey might have been struggling. You know, fifty-fifty mm. to play, so I got called in, and I was only there for a day. But um, yeah, but yeah, I remember Burgess was there, and there's actually a pretty strong team, very good backline. I remember. But um, I remember it was like Devoto was playing, Burgess was playing. I Wade might have scored a try, and I think uh, I remember that was Maro's first like. First Saxons game was it really? Uh, yeah, I remember. Yeah, that's, I remember because he came off the bench and uh, yeah, that was like the start of his progression. <laughs> yeah, he's done all right since. Yeah, he's not done bad, has he? Um, but yeah, it was, it was a good team at that day. But that was that was a, again. It's like guys had a Premiership game the weekend before, so yeah. you kind of you don't really train properly until Wednesday, and it's more of like a team. And you know, they're all trying to. It's almost like a trial game for the Six Nations. How hard is that? Because obviously, when you play at your club, you're quite structured. England have a lot of exposure to their players. They support in their structures. You've, I mean, presumably you met Sam Burgess once, for instance. This is just an example, and then probably didn't play with him ever, like ever again. It must be quite hard to, you know, fit fit into that team. Yeah, yeah I mean, it's pretty, be pretty, pretty difficult for everyone. I think that's why you've just got to have kind of simple structures in place for those kind of games, and mm. almost yeah, and don't don't overcomplicate things, and and just kind of let the guys go out and play. I think. 
you know, it's, it's, I've watching kind of the sim, actually watching like wrestling today. It's like rugby yeah. actually quite simple when you just they are very simple. Like team. run, run hard and and win clean ball and fastball and and that kind of thing. So yeah, it's obviously England. You know, you get at least two weeks before a test match to kind of prepare and you know guys have been playing with each other for a while, so it's a bit easier. Yeah, the only the only problem I see at the moment with the England setup and the way it kind of you know the way that they build things is you almost have to have the reputation of an England player to be an England player. It's quite an exclusive group, and it seems like it's getting harder to get into to get into that. You know, you don't have as many opportunities to prove yourself in the Premiership. Well, no, you do, but yeah, I don't I think, think they. To be fair to Eddie, I think he d- he's you know he's not scared of kind of dropping people and and picking players on form. So I think if you, as long as you're playing well, then you've always got a chance. And yeah, you just got to keep playing well, and once you get once you get down into these camps, it's it's kind of completely different because then you've got to impress in training equally, and where it's slightly different from say being at Sale or being at your home, being at your at your club where. You know, you're so used to surrounding, you're so used to the training schedule, training patterns. So, you know, it's, you know that's that's the first challenge getting into the squad, and the next challenge is trying to impress. Yeah, yeah, getting yourself known as you know the guy that he can rely on, I guess. Yeah, yeah, exactly. You know, and there's probably you know there's definitely a core of England players there at the moment who, especially being alliance tours and played a number of years in international rugby, that you can mm-hmm. rely on. Do you uh, subscribe to? Um... I'm not going to call it a conspiracy theory, but I, I, I think that I subscribe to it, that uh, some of, um, that Sale maybe don't get as much represent, representation as, as he should. Oh, I think, you, you know, I'm sure you'll get a, <laughs> sure you'll get a more interesting answer of Dines about that one. But, <laughs> yeah, I think that was a, I think that's changed. I think it's changing. Um, you know, there was certainly that, I remember when I first joined the club, that was certainly the, uh, yeah. you know, the, the, my, the mindset of every, of but, the, uh, there is certainly some gamesmanship going on there. Some, um, oh, what do they call it in uh, in, Manchester, in Manchester United? Like for, like fortress mentality. Yeah, everyone's against us. Yeah, I know. I think I think Dan's quite enjoys enjoys that in a way sometimes. But I think I think he might do yeah, as well. Yeah, I think yeah. A few years ago, you could certainly see that you know if you weren't playing, they tend to pick from the clubs playing champ, you know Champions Cup rugby week and you know every year. Mm. And because they're being exposed to, to big games, but I think we've seen, you know, especially I think the summer tour last year helped to Argentina, you know, kind of like some you know, Tom Curry, Denny playing. So, you know, it shows that there is yeah, well, there is opportunities there. One of my favourite bits of commentary from that tour actually was uh, someone describing Mike Haley as running like a Labrador. Yeah, well, he's been watching his, his dog too much, <laughs> hasn't he? <laughs> but yeah, yeah, it's a, a good tour, and actually quite, 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 quite a lot of cell representation too. Did, did you go on that tour? No, I got, I got knocked out in a Barbarians game, and oh. it was my second, which is probably a good, you know, because I think I, I took a bit of a bang in training as well a couple of weeks before, so it was definitely the safe, safest thing. But I was absolutely good. So as many, you know, I was meant to go on that tour, but I wasn't initially selected, but. You no know, yeah. guys have got injured, dropped out. So, yeah, it was you know, pretty gutted, but things happen. Yeah. Um, what is it like preparing for a barbarian store? Is, is that do the England team approach that with the, a full international mentality? Or is yeah. it, is it last than... last year it was definitely. Was it? Um, the first year I first time I played in that game was pre World Cup that summer. Mm. So it was kind of a. I think England were going into like they obviously named the fifty-two man World Cup squad, and yeah. so a few lads were, who were in that squad were playing in that game, and that that camp started like three weeks after that. So mm. the rest of us, it was kind of like we had our holidays booked, kind of, and it oh, was quite, yeah. it was quite relaxed, leisure, not relaxed, but obviously it's serious when you're training. But where last year was like a full international build-up which is good we, we I think we had a week training in Brighton before and then Penny Hill Park week of the game so exactly as it were a test match what, what, why Brighton why, why do they select, select that place I don't know I'd love to I think, I think Eddie Jones went there with Japan and, and really likes it uh, oh there you are he says the seaside air is, is good for you and I can vouch <laughs> for that coming living by the seaside but um, yeah they could have done it in Blackpool that would have been a bit bit more sociable for uh the northern lads who had to uh, trade down to Brighton. So uh, that's where you grew up then, around Blackpool. Is that right? Yeah, I grew up and lived in literally two minutes um, around the corner from Fylde Rugby Club. So that's always been my home rugby club and went to school in uh, Blackpool. So 
Yeah, I'm fairly local lad. Are you, was it Arnold? Yeah, Arnold, Arnold, yeah. No longer exists, but... Um, oh, does it not? Yeah, joined, a few years after I left, it joined with King it Edwards. Yeah, joined uh, joined up with King Edwards, all arch rivals, so... Um, yeah, no longer exists, which is a bit sad, but... Yeah, all right. Ne- ne- never, knew, um, uh, never knew that. I do know that Fylde is a fantastic club, though. Yeah, I've, I have great, great memories from the club, you know, growing up from age of seven, and then as soon as I finished school, I went, you know, did straight into pre-season, and that was actually the year when Jason Robinson signed for oh, us. was it? Yeah, it was unbelievable. Brian Ashton was coach, and I played there for four years, and they were, you know, we've been relegated from National 1 this year, but, you know, we it was a unbelievable kind of we played in a great brand of rugby it was so much fun to play in and you know we're just given responsibility for for what we did on the pitch and you know playing a season with Jason Robinson at the age of 18 was pretty cool very cool yeah Brian Ashton moves in mysterious ways he uh, I think he's had a a little bit well he had a little bit of input with you guys not not so long ago that might have been before your time actually um and also did a little bit of uh, Vale of Loom too yeah because he he moved up to he lived in Livam and then a couple of years ago, moved up to Lancaster. So, um, yeah, that's obviously the local club there, and and did a bit there. But I'm not sure. I think he still pops down to file occasionally now. But he was, um, yeah, his train sessions are always quite entertaining. So, I mean, how does he how does he set you up to play? We weren't allowed to kick. <laughs> Gen- generally, we weren't allowed to kick. Is that right? Yeah. So we didn't kick. I don't think we kicked a ball unless we got a penalty and kicked a touch. Yeah. But we didn't kick a ball. Occasionally to clear our lines, maybe, but even then he'd be grumpy in the stand, going, "Why the bloody hell are you not?" <laughs> did Did you ever play with, with Kieran Brooks when he was there? No, Kieran had just Kieran played the year before me, and the year before that he was a couple of years older than me, Kieran. So he then went off to Newcastle, so he didn't get. But you know, my brother, my brother was captain there for a couple of years and played with Kieran. So ah, so um, what, what position does your brother play? He's number eight. Was so, he? Yeah, or was he? I should say. They always say he's uh, yeah, he's just retired actually, but he always claims he's the best number eight in the uh, <laughs> in the family. But uh, yeah, I played more kind of six and second row with with when he was in the back row. So oh. it was, um, but yeah, it was it was just just good fun to be so to play with. One of my very few rug- rugby highlights was we drew final in the cup. It was Broughton Park, uh, who I used to play for. It went went over there. I just moved from wing to flanker, and. Uh, I, by pure luck, well, actually, earlier on in in the game, um, Fowler have got a winger. What's it, Ollie? Someone? Ollie Brennan, yeah. Ollie Brennan, yeah. Danced, danced underneath his own posts and then went around uh, around the outside of the entire team and scored uh, like no, like nothing that I've seen. And I came I came on fresh at flanker, sort of saw him, lined him up, absolutely nailed him, and that 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 was actually the highlight of my entire rugby career. Oh, I'll have to. I've that, seen that quite. I've seen. I've still seen quite a bit actually, Ollie. So I'll have to remind him of that and see if he, he won't remember. He'll, he'll he most say, certainly won't. He'll probably. <laughs> he remembers his tries. The only guy to be happy when, say, if we lost and he scored a hat trick, he'd be on nice. one with a smile. Typical winger, really. Yeah, that's a, that that's that's a spirit. Yeah, he um he got a hat trick against us in, a, in the first twenty. It was uh, it was it was quite impressive. Yeah, we um. Yeah, we had, we had. I remember my first, well, first couple of years had Ollie on one wing and then Nick Royal. Uh, uh, um, oh yeah, yeah, playing Royal, at as well. Yeah, playing it. He's playing at Colby now, and but he's England sevens, so he's on the other wing. And Rapid. Then, and Robinson at fullback, only for the home games. They didn't play away games, but so that back three was they scored a absolute shed load of tries because everyone just wanted to tackle Jason Robinson. Yeah, so you had like bet. three people going to tackle him, and he just shipped the ball on so him. I never actually saw him play for Fylde. Um was he when he played with him? Did you get a sense that he was Jason Robinson? If, if that makes sense. Yeah, yeah. I remember he. You still. He, I remember he struggling with his hammy a bit, but you still. You know, I'd never been exposed to kind of professional rugby at the age of eighteen, and I remember him. He was always down early training, and then going out early with the lads warming up and yeah, and just trying to help everyone. And I was like, you could say tell that he'd been in the professional game for a while, and then he'd just do some things in. You kind of cruise for a while, and then you just flip the switch, and then step about four players, and then just yeah, <laughs> had great skills. So it's it wasn't obviously the uh, the vintage Robinson of kind of his. Uh, well, it's all you know, relative, I guess. Career, but yeah, he was still uh, he still he still had it. Um, yeah. So I remember this about Robinson because obviously it's a local club. We're relatively local to Blackpool here. Um, I mean, the outrage was that he would never go to away games. So, you know, you never got to see him if you were, I don't know, if you were a Coldy or some sort of thing. You had to go to Fylde. Yeah, I remember that. Yeah, I remember all the away teams were uh, 
you know, they used to publicise it before the game and Jason and everyone got excited and then I, mean, I can't remember, I think we played Morley away for our first away game of the season and everyone, because he's originally from Leeds around there, so everyone is thought... He? Yeah. I mean, he is, he's from Chapel Town or something. Yeah, and he, he? he came to watch the game but didn't play and I remember there was, there was outrage there because everyone... I'd be outraged. Like, I think they had the biggest crowd of the season there and like, everyone wants to see Jason Robinson not... Isn't it amazing, like, the difference just one player can make to, like, the like, spectators and all the rest I of I know, it? I remember, because our first game of the season, our first home game was um, Preston Grasshoppers, so mm. big rivalry, and there was, like, two and a half thousand there. Was there? Yeah, it was, it was, it was um, and, yeah, and just everyone, it's amazing, but I found you get kind of 600, 700 to a game. I mean, that's, good that's, that's still pretty good, though. Yeah, like, it was... It was kind of like all full down the sides and great atmosphere and yeah and then those crowds kind of you know well, it didn't get as big as that but yeah you know, there's always well over a thousand there in most games which is pretty so cool. So I, I always think it's amazing when I hear about the Cumbrian teams because we're in a league league with those boys. I think Kendall Kirby Lonsdale got a, like a couple of thousand people watching. That's like level eight rugby or level seven rugby. Yeah, yeah well, there's nothing else to do there. Yeah, there is. What your yeah. options go hiking? Kendall, Kendall away was uh, it was always a. Uh, well, it wasn't exactly the highlight of the year. It was always pretty yeah. miserable up there. And they're all big boys too. Yeah, they're all their, big front, their front row was massive. I can't know. I think they're all farmers. In there. I know exactly the guy you mean because he was still playing when I played, and he's just a, he doesn't move far, but he's enormous. He's like no word of a lie. He's probably Halani Alika enormous. I mean, no, not the same body composition, yeah. but probably the same body mass. Yeah, I think those. Yeah, they're always uh, they're always up for it, up for it as well when we came up there. Always keen for a scrap, so... Now, you said um, earlier on, like, your brother played eight and you played more si- six and second row. Uh, now, I'm pretty sure we've put on record, and we're probably wrong here, didn't you, did, did you not have a stint, stint in, in the backs when you were younger? Yeah, I I was... I played in the backs until probably about 16, 17, like, my low six years, ah, so I was a back. Okay, and then it was actually Dave Wilkes... Um, who did a bit of coaching? Dave, at what did he say? Wilkes. A Wilkes, Wilkes. Right, yeah, So yeah. he he did. Uh, he played at Fylde and He was like a the academy coach at Fylde And him and a guy called Alan Holmes were. Kind of, they won. They said, "Why don't you give a fours try?" Because you kind of six up six at the age of seventeen, <laughs> and you're still messing around in the backs. Yeah. Kind of, they said you've got the potential to kind of you know go somewhere with rugby, but never as a back. So moved to the forwards, and then yeah. You know, played just played at school, but in a bit for kind of Lancashire eighteens, North of England, and then went up to Durham University. And I think that transition of playing university rugby and national league rugby really helped me. And yeah, just, just kind of I think kind of it's it's, it's worked out great for me because the kind of skill set I picked up in the backs. Mm. You know, I just had to kind of learn the kind of nitty gritty stuff of the forwards, and then still still you- was able to hang out in channels and. Uh, and pretend I'm a back still. Very, um, very, very paranoid, uh, very paranoidicky. Yeah, yeah, kind of. Uh, well, that's the way that I remember at Fowler, that's the way Brian wanted me to play. He said you were at six, be the link between the backs and the forwards. And then mm-hmm. university, I played all second row, so it was a bit different, but yeah. it was kind of less physical, so you could, you know, you could play the uh, tight stuff as well there. So, and then, yeah, got signed up by sale, kind of sec- end of my second year at university. Ah, right, okay, so, because um, I knew you weren't an, ac- an academy lad. No, I wa- no, I wasn't, so I'd never never had much interest in sale, um, mm. probably because I'd moved positions late, and yeah. so I was what, you know, as much as I'd always, you know, growing up I always wanted to be a professional rugby player, but I went to university with no real ambition of becoming a pro- professional rugby I went to get a degree, and had a year, at, um, I was associated with Falcons for a year, so I did a pre-season with them, okay. played a couple of A-league games, and then, yeah, got offered a contract by both and you know I thought sale was going in the right direction at the time which is probably a good decision because Falcons got relegated that year oh so. did they? yeah it was 2012 maybe they got relegated so yeah double edged sword that for, for, for young players because obviously you want to stay in the premiership but you get so much more game time yeah well that's what they were saying that was, that was I remember them saying to me it was like look we're going as actually Dean Richards said look we want you to sign because you know we're going to the championship and it'd be perfect to kind of be development, which I can see, like that yeah. would make a lot of sense. But it was the kind of the year when Sale were showing the ambition. I think they signed Richie Gray and a couple of other lads that season. Yeah, um, 
and then so I decided to go with Sale. Did a pre-season and then my second year with Sale. Really, really enjoyed it. And then I remember being at university and Sale didn't win a game until November. And I was like, Oh dear. Oh, like, have I made the right decision here? But you know, they came. Yeah, a bit of a troubled year. But then, then obviously survived. Survived the uh, the relegation but battle. Simon's got a knack for, nav- for navigating himself around the league. Let's put it that way. Yeah, I mean, I think I can't because Dimes was there, but then he wasn't in charge of that coaching side when right, I so first joined. He was. Was it Redpath then? Yeah, was. it was Brush. Brush was there, and then I wasn't there when Callum John Mitchell came in for that month or whatever. <laughs> right, three weeks. Yeah, three weeks. Uh, I was at university then, so I missed all that. But then, yeah, I think Dimes then took more of more of control. Mm. Uh, so. You must be quite a, uh, quite open to suggestion or quite coachable, um, because how did you react when someone said to you, "Right, you know, you're enjoying your time at the backs." Presumably, you were quite good at it, uh, and they said, "Right, go on, move over to um, move 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 over to second row." Yeah, I think I was I was always all right as in the backs. I was pretty decent enough skills. Mm. Thought I had a decent kicking game, but you know, I'm sure plenty of my mates told me I was rubbish. But <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I just I just kind of. Yeah, the more I was going, the kind of just—I think I probably wanted to move to the forwards as well. Cause, did you? Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's a bit um, different then. Yeah, I know. I, I think. Yeah, I don't know what. I can't really remember why, but it's I probably took on listening to their advice and and, and took it rather than uh, yeah trying to push on. Because I, I never I played a bit of kind of counter rugby in the backs like Lancashire fifteens, mm. but then I remember I didn't get picked for like the sixteens and seventeens as a backs, and you know it's kind of a sign that you should move as well. How much influence has your dad had on your career? D- d- does he often give you fee- feedback on your games? Yeah, he does, yeah. Yeah, he'd be, you know, I'd, I'd be lying if I said, like, we'd, we didn't talk about rugby or anything. But we'd talk, <laughs> yeah, we'd, stock market or something. We'd, yeah, we talk <laughs> a lot about rugby and only because, you know, he's mas- massively passionate about it and then my brothers are as well, so kind of Sunday lunches are, I remember when I used to play at Fylde, so me and my brother play Saturday and it would take about a minute into you know, dinner before yeah, we got a low down on what we what we were good at and what we were bad at and how useless we were. But um, you know, still, still now, he, you know, he, he's pretty good with it. He'll, you know, he doesn't if if there's little things he thinks I should be working on, then you know, he's pretty subtle about it. He doesn't. So, w- growing up, then you must have been exposed to quite quite a number of very very good rugby players through your dad. Yeah, like a lot of his mates were were yeah. ex rugby players, and I know the game was different back then as amateur, but yeah, it was you know the, the guys that's you know there were guys that still watch a lot of rugby and kind of get, going down to Fylde and watching my brother play as a teenager and youngster, you know, just speaking to all these because Fylde were one of the top teams back in the day, so yeah. all these guys have played county or international rugby, so being able to uh, you know listen to them and and what they thought of the game was probably. Well, that- that was the path. I can't really work out how it used to... Was it the courage leagues that they used to have? Yeah, so you've, you basically had a set fixture list each year and, yeah, it just kind of went off kind of how many games you won and then each, you know, it'd be like a nationwide rank or like UK yeah. ranking because of, of... Yeah, like they used to do it in the Times, didn't they? It was, yeah. like, it was like a 20 or... I mean, it's bizarre to me because I didn't... I re- the first year I really started paying attention to rugby was the year that Northampton won the, the Heineken Cup. Like that was the first. So before that, I have no idea what what actually happened. And then I heard about this thing. It's like they usually they used to literally just rank all the teams in the country. And yeah. that was that. There's 48 teams in a league. They didn't play each other, but the fixture secretaries had to go around and yeah, and just make up fixtures. Was, yeah, they always had the same fixture at the same weekend. Yeah. So yeah, and and you'd, you'd always have your derby games around like Christmas period, and and then the county scene was massive back then. Yeah, so it was. That, was, that was like the. Almost like the selection process for, and then you obviously have international trial games, but that was like the big selection games for mm. international rugby, and you know that was from well from listening to what Daddy say. He said they used to get enormous crowds to to those games. So was your dad still playing when? Sorry, did were you able to watch to, to watch your dad to, to watch your dad dad play much? No, no. So he retired in nineteen. 19- 82 I think oh right oh, so I was 10 years before I was even born so born, yeah. yeah he uh, two years before I was born yeah <laughs> <laughs> yeah so he um, yeah he retired to the neck and head injury something that would probably would be sorted now with kind of the yeah you know the kind of medical medical, medical things around now but yeah so I never really got to I've seen a few clips of it on the 
on the, we had, on um, the black and white VCR, <laughs> but yeah, that's about it. We had a coach at Broughton Park who was roughly your dad's age, I'd say, um, called Kevin O'Brien, and he had one Irish cap. He was a lovely, lovely fellow, good, good coach. And he had one Irish cap, and on this one Irish cap, he makes the most horrendous error and, 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 um, and underneath a high ball, and England score. And from what I can remember, I could be wrong, but from what I can remember, that was the difference in the game. His um his awful his awful highball, and the the shame of it was that was the only game that they that they would repeat on on ESPN Classics over and over <laughs> again. Just Always couldn't get away from it. Him, yeah. <laughs> uh, so when when you go so when you go, go up to Durham then, uh, what were you expecting to do if it wasn't a if it wasn't to become a, a professional rugby player? No idea. I'm really? still there now. Yeah. So I went to I. Uh, applied to geography just because it's kind of the subject at school that that was I'd probably most interested in. It wasn't the subject particularly best at, but then I knew that there was low contact hours at university with geography and it was a pretty good my brother did it as well at Manchester <laughs> and it was a pretty good degree to do so I just did that. I, I was interested in it but I was just going purely just to get a degree and I've still no idea what what I'd do with it. Did you finish your degree? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I finished it. Yeah. So I had to say it had to be a bit awkward with sale at times in my last year and say I remember I played Montpellier and Durham were actually quite really strict with letting you have time off. Oh, okay. Yeah, they're quite funny Durham about academic academic yeah. first, which is which is fair enough. But then I was like, well, you get a lot of publicity for me playing against Montpellier in the, and I played that game yeah, quite a lot, I'd say. Yeah, and then the week after they they wouldn't release me until like the Friday before the game. So uh-huh. uh, it's it's a shame, but like that must be a really awkward conversation for you. And it was it kind of put me in a tough place at times because obviously wanted to play, but then I'd done two and a half years of this degree and I wasn't willing to give it up yeah. at that stage. So um, I kind of said to Sale after that, I was like, "Look, I'll come back in the holidays. Yeah, like I'll stay in contact, tell you how I'm doing." And and also I was captain of Durham University, uh-huh. so I had big commitments with that and. You know, we took over be really serious up there. Had kind of the most successful period when I was up there as a team. So, you know, we had a pretty pretty good team up there. So I was loving playing for them and loving being at Sale as well. Now, did Durham have a Saturday team as well as a? They did back in the day, but not when not. I think that got stopped probably a couple of years before I came. But yeah, there's, we had, we had a good good crop of players up when I was there for the three years, and it'd be interesting if we did play in the national leagues. How we'd get on. Yeah. I think we probably would have been National 2 North, that kind of standard. Because looking at our team, we had Simon Hammersley, who was our fullback, who's at uh, Newcastle now. Okay. Sean Robinson, the second row at Newcastle. Um, and a couple of others that played ch- Championship rugby as well. So we were pretty pretty decent teams. So. Hammersley's a very good player. Yeah, he's, he's a quality player. Kind of looks pretty old school, laid back kind of guy. <laughs> yeah. So. Yeah, well, it, it, um, he looks like a stick man. He looks like someone's like drew, drew, drew him with a pencil. Or at least it did, and he's actually filled, filled out. Quite quite a bit now, but when he first arrived, uh, we used to nickname him nickname him the Prefect because he just looked. Oh yeah, he was he was old. He'd wear black boots and like just the most old school looking player, but he's he's class. But he um yeah, it he, he took him a while to get used to kind of having to go to the gym and stuff like that. So uh, were Durham in the, uh, are they in Bucks? Yeah, is that, is yeah. That so Bucks and yeah, we they brought in this new Super League at the moment, yeah, which, is, right. which is pretty good. You know, it's it's good standard of rugby, and we we were in Bucks North, which is probably easier than Bucks South. So mm. Loughborough are big rivals. Yeah, and they're so, seriously good. Yeah, well, they're all right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so uh, it's amazing how uh, how many lads have had exposure to that league and got uh, and gone and gone on to do better things. Yeah, well, I because I played a couple of years for English students as well, and yeah. It was, you know, off the top head, I remember Loz Lazowski was all outside centre. Oh, was he? Um, oh, who else? Harry Williams played tight head for one of the games. Uh, loads of lads play play students. Um, I think Jack Yendel the year before me. So yeah, Tom Dunn. So there's so many players who've played students and now yeah. knocking around the Premiership. It's well, I mean, there might be one hopefully who. Um joins the NFL soon as, as uh, I've interviewed Christian Scotland Williamson here. Oh really? Yeah. yeah, and he did the same 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 thing as you effectively. Go I think he was the thing is at at Loughborough. Was he yeah, he probably yeah, I think he was, yeah. Yeah, and I think uh I think his highlight of him smashing um is it re- is it reader? Uh, oh yeah, yeah. Richie, <laughs> I mean that that that's got to be worth a, you know, at least an extra zero 
on the end of your contract. Yeah, but yeah, he used to, yeah, he used to smoke boys there. I'm kind of glad he's going to the NFL, actually. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I mean, t- I tell you what, if you, if, if you can make it there, um, I mean, you only need to really play a few years before you've made almost a, a, a career's worth of rugby, a career's worth of, rug, of rugby money. It's yeah, phenomenal. Like this, yeah, the basic salary is like a million dollars, though, isn't it? Signed on. Yeah, it's so. like, you get, I think 600,000 first year, and then it goes up yeah. like, each and every year. It's Dan Carter money for like a, th- a third choice receiver. Yeah, not seen that. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so, how are you finding this season then? You've you've um, been struggling a little bit with it. Is it pectoral injury that you bicep? Yeah, tore bicep and quins away. It's like sixth game of the season, so always a pretty um, pretty terrible time to get injured. Really, kind of yeah. midway through the season. So, yeah, it wasn't a bad injury to come back from um, compared to other injuries I've had here at Sale. But um, yeah, I came back in January and you know, I have really started to enjoy my rugby again, and then. Um, yeah, I think I played about seven or eight games on the bounce, getting getting some form together. So yeah, yeah, it's been and then it's, it's kind of weird. Like the end of the season feels quite stop stop because you get weeks off and then it, yeah, it is. It's a bit strange, really. So it was um yeah. If you're not if you're not in European competition, uh, it's it's a it's a very pat, it's a very pat, patchy schedule. Yeah, so it's um yeah, and then. Yeah, so I think you know we've been going well, kind of second more second half of the season. So you know, hopefully we can just finish off strong last couple of games. Now, when when you first came to to, to prominence nationally as a player, you were doing most most of your work. In fact, all of your work at number eight, and then you moved over to the second row. But you've always played second row in in, in some capacity. Um, why? Why did you decide to go back to second row? For, second row from eight. What was he? Was thinking there? I think probably, probably speaking with the England coaches, and they, I think England saw me more as a second, more predominantly second row who could play back row. So yeah. I think, like kind of last year, well, all my time at Sale, I've, I've always. Uh, um, wait, uh, <laughs> it's Tim Cocker. And what? What's going on? <laughs> pin, Take, pin, pins are out. How are you doing? You right. right? <laughs> yeah. Good. How are you? So, uh, Take a seat, mate. Thank you very much. What's going on? Tim Cocker's debut on 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 the rugby dungeon. Wow, this is like uh, you know Marvel and uh, what's the other one? Uh, DC. DC and Marvel. This is like coming together exactly. of universes. Uh, where, where, where were we? Second round. Yeah. So second round. Yeah. So yeah. I mean, I've always played a few games here and there. Still at second row. Um, but yeah, this season was where I kind of. I play most. That's where I play most of my rugby. Well, before injury, I played all all the games of second row, and it it's different. It's it's different. I think playing second row, kind of at fads level and university level, it's nowhere near as physical. So yeah, it doesn't sap your legs as much. Where Premiership, kind of winter months, that's that's hard. It's it is hard graft, and you know I don't mind that. Uh, but <laughs> yeah. but then I came back from my injury. Upon first two games played at number eight, really enjoyed it, and then. Purely because of kind of we had guys injured away, and then moved back into second row. So I probably prefer playing at eight. Yeah, I Play, mean, eight, for eight sale, is good for sale, well, for sale especially. Played on my best rugby for sale there. So yeah, definitely because yeah. Uh, you know, I, you know, um, when you were getting spoken of very very strongly for for England, you know, you you were you were dominating with kind of how can I, how can I put put this in a in in a polite way. Kind of an unorthodox running style. Once you got got up to speed, you're very, very hard to stop. Yeah, and that's you don't get that from second row. Don't get that. that, that yeah, high, the high like, knees. Wasn't the high, high knees. knees yeah. Trying to tackle those high knees. I know everyone. everyone I never really got it because I've said, but actually, when I tackle someone like who's a similar build to me, kind of, I remember like James Gasol. I was like, oh, it's really awkward to tackle that yeah. guy. And actually, you don't because because you're this height, you don't actually realise. But I suppose if your knees coming up here, then. Yeah, it can be difficult, but yeah. So, and number eight probably gives you more freedom to kind of carry those outside channels and gets you get a bit more space to kind of open up. Where second row, you're making tighter carries as well, so it's, it's a so bit more difficult. Is there any chance we'll see you moving back into number eight? Hopefully. Um. Well, I don't. I'll play anywhere to get in the team, and I'm exactly benching at the moment, so I'll uh, I'll play anywhere at the moment. Yeah, but so. I mean, that kind of just shows, doesn't it? Where where sale have come from and where. And where and where they are now. I mean, they've never been able to deploy a bench which can which, which can change a game, and, and and now they can. And from that point of view, just to add to what yeah. JB's saying, that means probably in 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 a way that 
and I think good prof- good professional clubs that have to have this a sense that whoever you are you have a bit of an off day I, I can drop you and someone really good can yeah. come in and I think that that's where Sale have been at this season where they haven't been able to be at yeah definitely and I have you know speaking to Dimes and then then other lads as well this is there's, there's been games where I actually haven't been on form for sale kind of last year year before and there's actually there's no there wasn't really anyone else to come in yeah especially because being a line out forward as well I, I kind of had to play oh yeah of course you don't think about that as well the dynamics of the pack so you know I've actually played probably some decent rugby this year better than kind of last year but as well as being captain as well last year so you can't course, really drop yeah. you can't like difficult to get dropped as captain but um but yeah, so that's a good thing about Sale. You got likes of, you know, myself and TJ, who were probably starting most games. Kind of, yeah. Over, we probably played too many minutes at, at times, and now it's you've got that impact coming off the bench. So yeah, I, I think it's important for the players on the field to know when the bench comes on. You know, the um, the team gets stronger. I mean, that's that, that 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 psychologically must be absolutely massive. Yeah, and I think it's it's just good for kind of like almost the health of the squad in training as well. If you've got two two almost packs that are going against each other, training becomes more competitive, it becomes more fun, it, and it brings the best out of each other. So I think that's that's the one good thing, certainly about the pack this year, but the backs, I know, still, you know, we're showing kind of a couple of injuries and yeah. and, and suspensions and that, that's what can happen. But other clubs have had that as well, like Wasp have been struggling but at times this year. I love it that you look at, um, I think Mike Haley's season's been a perfect example Started off really strong. He had a couple of, he had a couple of games that weren't yeah. up to his standard. He'd probably be the first to say so, and and then he couldn't get back in the team for a bit. And then he's had to put, he has to force his way back in, and has been outstanding um, when, so, when he came back. Exactly. And that's that's that's, that's, that's that, yeah. It's, that's the competitive. It's almost like similar to me, like, and yeah. also, you know, say drops a bench, team wins, then there's there's less inclination mm. to make changes. So it's it's just part and. Mm. Part of the sport, part of any sport. Now, what does a Premiership club captain do? Because I know what the top H captain does. That, that's 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 who I play for. Uh, picks the teams, arranges the socials, that kind of thing. What 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 do you do in a, in a, in a Premiership squad? Yeah, well, I was similar because like, being captain <laughs> Durham and Durham University, I had to sort the kit <laughs> yeah. out, had to drop fixture cards <laughs> off, and all that kind of stuff. And then actually, it's a bit of a well, it's, it's more high pressure being a Premiership rugby captain. Um, it's, it's just the on-field kind of sign, leadership you'll be involved in obviously off the field you'll be involved in senior players meetings and lead them um, and obviously you're the, on the pitch it's more like dealing with referees and stuff like that you've got to have good reps, good kind of relationships with them and, and that kind of thing now referees they're interesting um, do you go as this far is where, this, when you say that this is where Josh's media training alarm <laughs> yeah, bell no, rings like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they're all very good we take one one game at a time um <laughs> Do, do you go to the extent of like? I mean, obviously you know their names, but you know, do, do you go and buy, buy like buy them a drink after? Do you you know do you ask, do you ask them you know how their week's been? How um, no, how... I wouldn't I wouldn't go that far. I'd always go and speak to them after a game, yeah, and I'd always ask them politely about decisions I've made during the game. So like, oh, was was kind of a player offside at that point? Mm. Is that why? You know, and stuff like that, and just try and speak to them on a, almost a professional level. Yeah, try and get feedback off them. You know what? I remember a couple of games last year, um, early on especially. I, I think Ian Tempest was refing, and Ian's been around the club for a bit, and I probably spoke to him the wrong way, and then learned from next time that chatting to him after the game and go right, this is what he want. He wants more kind of things. So, oh, okay. Yeah. Okay. So how how much do you think a captain can can influence a ref if influ- if influence is the right word? Maybe. Yeah, you'd like to think not, but yeah. <laughs> but I'm sure. I mean, if you've got an idea of an interpretation of a certain law, presumably you want to get that across to them as quickly as you can and make them yeah. agree with you. Well, yeah, I think, and also you get stats out before a game. Is like, for example, this is what the referee this weekend he gives most penalties for, kind of off, like, not releasing at the breakdown stuff like that. And so you kind of got trigger points in your head. Is like, this is what we need to watch out for. Oh. And this is what referees are kind of hot on. Um, there's also certain trends in refereeing, kind of whether it's something like feeding it a scrum or yeah. relax. So things coming in and out of of, of the game. On so. that one, 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 I'm curious to know what you think then because sales season and maybe English rugby clubs generally in Europe season could have been different had they maybe, 
I don't know whether it's they adjusted or got used to, but the, the, the difference in the way that the game's interpreted by referees of different... Especially the, top, the breakdown. Top 14, Pro 14 versus Premiership at the breakdown particularly. Um, I think probably there's other decisions I know Sale were unhappy about, but um, you could argue that that actually cost you a place in the knockout stages and yeah. potentially other English clubs as well. Yeah, I, I'm trying to think what... There was, yeah, the, was well, the one at Exeter was there at home, the like, off the feet kind of yes, one at clear out, and then I can't remember what else, but yeah. The one in Leon where they jumped the tackle. Oh, that was ridiculous. That, that was, was actually ridiculous. ridiculous. <laughs> I remember I was there, because that was the week after I did my I did my arm, and I decided to still go out anyway and have a nice weekend in Leon. But uh, <laughs> yeah, that was that was ridiculous, that decision. I mean, anyone who's ever played game of rugby knows that you can't jump into a tackle like that. Yeah. And then to get actually pinged for... An illegal tackle was. It was uh, yeah. It was quite an incredible three minutes of play or two minutes of play because it, it was right at the end. Yeah. The, uh, so yeah, they got a penalty. Yeah, but anyway. Do, it, do you still have? Sorry, Jamie. Someone, I don't mean to talk. Do you still have? Do you still have moments like that in um, amateur or university or even in the early sale days or uh, whatever that you that you still in the back of your mind still bug you. Like that, or do you, do you? You must just have to let it go, right? Yeah, let it. I can't think of many at in the time, but yeah, I'm sure there's. Yeah, I, I think we were always okay. We never. Yeah. Yeah, at that level, you kind of move on quickly. But, yeah, you have to. Yeah, yeah. I, I had one against uh, high flying Burnley last year. So obviously, Josh can relate to playing uh, <laughs> like level eight, uh, and they had a kicker. They just couldn't couldn't kick. We gave the last last play of the game. We gave a penalty away. We got back ten. Ref said that we weren't back ten. He moved it forward ten, and then he kicked it. It literally skimmed the bar, and that was the difference between promotion and promotion and relegation. So he said you weren't back ten for a penalty kick. Yeah, so we weren't for a back... place kick. No, no, no. So oh, right. they were thinking about what to do. They tapped, they tapped them once, and you know we we asked him if oh, are we back. He said yeah. He said yep, yeah, not uh, not back, and they kicked it over. Devastating. Yeah, that is. Uh, well, this, this is getting raw, raw the reg tra- tracery. So we might want to transition. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, it's okay, mate. Uh, well, well, no, actually, you know, I can ask. I can ask Josh stuff on. Yeah, yeah. We'll, we'll mention this rugby dungeon on egg chasers, and if we mention egg chasers now, you can put the two exactly. together. Exactly, in a puzzle. Exactly. Um, so, just tell me a little bit about how you feel about sale season this year, and just about just a bit about how you think they're going to go next year, and where, the way the club's trending. I think it's definitely on an upward trend, definitely. Um, we had a t- tough season last year, a very tough season. Mm. And, you know, we learn, of, and they always say that you learn most from kind of your defeats and disappointments. And I think that was definitely the case of us. We brought a lot in kind of off the pitch in terms of kind of more kind of like involvement. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with plush care. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today senior players and stuff like that we kind of became more professional off the pitch and you know the club's definitely going in the right direction and this season you know you know two games left now it's kind of an air of frustration about us at the moment because it's like what if there's yeah. been a lot of games where well, it's New- Newcastle at home exactly at home. Newcastle away you know there's kind of five or six Bath away and there's a lot of frustration now every team in the league We'll have those kind of what if games, mm. and you kind of hope that you know over the course of the season, you almost des- you know you can't look back and say what if on like five or six games because you know, yeah it, it becomes too many, and then you know we've we've also had a couple go our way, so 
I think we need, we know we're still in the hunt kind of for that top four. We're not mathematically out of it. It's going to be tough, but extra we tend to go well down there. I think we. we I think have, down there. have they not won? Sale of one down there. Yeah, yeah, before, we won f- four years ago. We was won end of the season. Yeah, end of yeah. season. Yeah. It was a bit of a beatdown, from what I remember. Yeah, yeah. I think it's on when Exeter didn't have much to play for, and, and kind of things mm. were going on there as well. And uh, but you know, in the last couple of years, we've we've you know they've beaten us, but we've always been been in the game down there, and we've always played pretty some good rugby down there. So you know, it's a huge last two games for us. Yeah, it know, is. We really got, is. We've just got to give it a crack, and then. You know, hopefully we you know we get our top six. You know, well, Tigers get... need to do your favour on on the weekend. Yeah, yeah. And then you've got to batter Tigers, and yeah. you've got to beat Exeter, and you've also got to hope that I think if Newcastle lose into Saracens, you're in. Yeah. So it's not actually, it's not actually. Un... Stranger things have happened yeah. in sport and in and in rugby, but but and, oh, and there's also Gloucester as well who yeah, Gloucester, sneak yeah, in, of course, yeah. And then they don't need to qualify in the league now. I wonder how that changes the dynamic. Could I also? I don't. I saw that. I saw they tweeted. No, them. I know what you're going to ask, and I don't know the answer. I was hoping you'd the know. Seventh, what happens in seventh place? <laughs> I, I, I asked Will Hudson today. I was like, I've seen. I was like, I've seen his tweets. I'm like, does that mean that if you finish seven in the Premiership now and you get, I don't know. Anyway, oh, it might do. It might do because on the now, I think I know. It's I'm happened in the past. It's yeah. happened in the past. I'm guessing at this answer, right? But the French clubs have seven teams. Is that right? Yes, they have. Uh, and it's, it might be weighted to how well you do in European competition. So if there's not a French team in the final, they might lose their seventh place, their seventh team, and give it to the Premiership, who only have six. Maybe. Maybe I made that up. I don't know. Mm. All I knew is that had. Um, I know Emmanuel will know the answer anyway. Oh, so. anyway. Someone, someone will know. When, someone you, when will know. you do know, let us know. Yeah. Uh, are you active much on social media? Uh, yeah, yeah, I am. Uh, well, well ish. I, I wouldn't say I was massively there. Uh, You're not James Haskell yet? No, 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 no. I don't think anyone's uh, Has- Haskell's level. But. Uh, where, um, what, 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 uh, what's your channels and where do we find you? Uh, Twitter is at Josh Beaumont. Yeah, just go down there. I'll be some number behind it. I think. <laughs> yeah, but Four, probably. eight or five. Yeah, 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 hopefully pop up. And then Instagram as well is, is probably another go-to. You can get a few snippets of what happens at, at sale on Instagram. Excellent. Well, thank you so much for coming down. Uh, ho- uh, hope that you enjoyed it, and we'll have to do it, do it again soon. In fact, we'll do it again in about three seconds when, when we do egg chasers. <laughs> Excellent. Cheers. Cheers, mate. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more and is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 